Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah! Woo! New life, new kidneys. Would you all stand with me just for a moment? Take your Bibles and uh, hold them. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Today and over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about uncommon servanthood. Today, we're going to see the report from Africa, and we're going to talk about how that translates into servanthood. And next week, we're going to talk in our series of uncommon servanthood, why do you serve and you serve because we've been blessed by uncommon love. And so those two things will be our themes for the next two weeks. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you. In other words, it basically says, I beg you. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Hallelujah. How many of you know that when you do this in worship, you're presenting your, your body in worship, all right? How many of you know what, when you're doing something that God's called you to do, that you're presenting your body for that purpose? How many of you know that when God calls you to present your body, it's usually at the time you don't want to present it, amen? It's usually at the time you got your thing going, your deal's bothering you, your deal's burdening you, and God has the audacity to say, hey, I need you to do this for me, amen? But this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I beg you to get yourself into a position where you present your bodies, what? As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, I love, love, love this next part of this message. He says, why do you do that? Because it's simple. It's just your reasonable service. For everything that God has done for you, why would you not want to present your body as a reasonable sacrifice to serve him? And then he goes on in verse two and says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Charles Spurgeon says this about serving. He says, one of the greatest rewards that we ever receive for serving God is the permission to do still more for him. Is the permission to do still more from him. Francis Chan says this about serving. He says, most of us use I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling on my life as a means of avoiding action. I'm waiting for, one day God will call me. One day God will call, he's got your number. He's probably tried to call you already. Did you hear God calling you to sit in front of the television yesterday? Or to go on your last vacation? Or to exercise this morning? The point isn't that vacations or exercise are wrong. But we are quick to rationalize our entertainment and priorities, yet slow to commit to serving God. Father, today, as we talk about serving you, as we talk about servants who serve you, as we uh, uh, talk about the excitement of the success of what you're doing around the world, Father, I just pray that over these next two weeks that there would be a fire that gets ignited inside of all of our hearts 
that we too truly would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that we too would be willing to step up and to, to serve you, to, to use our bodies as the reasonable and living sacrifice that you've called for us to be. Father, I just pray that as we uh, choose to serve you, that we would naturally walk in that supernatural position that you bless your servants with. And so, Father, today as we talk about the great things that are occurring and we look at the idea of servanthood, I, I pray, Lord, that we would all embrace you in this endeavor. And, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. I want to look at a couple scriptures, and I'm going to weave it into the midst of the uh, testimony that I'm going to share about our last trip to Africa. But uh, I'm trying to work these things a little differently than I've done in the past. And so what does service look like? Well, we see what service looked like when we look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him, from him, okay? And she said, and he said to her, what, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? and be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. They would do anything to get into that place of sitting on the right side of Betty or the left side of Betty. Or, you know, the, the right side of Caleb or the left side of Caleb. The, you know, people will do anything to get into those positions of, you know, where you get to sit and smile and get your picture taken. Natural way that people think, right? And so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And then verse 24 happens. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. I mean, I can't, I wish I could have been a fly in the wall to hear uh, the, are you kidding me? Do you hear what those two guys said? Are you, uh, 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 you know, you know what they all said. But Jesus called them to himself because he was going to relay something super important to them. And then he says this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Listen, this is the separation between God's leadership and the world's leadership. The world seeks leadership into a place to where they can have a network of people under them that they control. But in the kingdom of God, the network of people that we get to serve are the people that we stand under and lift them up to everything that God has called them. And he's trying to present the difference in worldly leadership and kingdom leadership. Verse 26, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now, verse 28, this is a famous text that probably changed my life in the way I looked at the way I lived more than any text in my early development as a believer. But just as the Son of Man did not, everybody say did not, did not. 
Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he did not. Tell him, he did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. He didn't come to be served. This is the Son of, this is the son of God. He didn't come to the earth for us to serve him. They, they, they couldn't figure out why he wasn't developing a kingdom on earth that he could become the king and then everybody could worship him as king. No, he... He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give what? His life as a ransom for many. And I thought to myself, if the Son of Man didn't come to have somebody serve him, but he wanted to serve other people, what option did Dwight Bennett have when it came to my walk in the kingdom of God? And it excited me to the place to where that the person who loves me to the place of giving his life for me as a ransom, he's saying that we are not to, to focus on how anyone can serve us, but that we are to be a living sacrifice, as the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, that our lives would be lived sacrificially. Well, let me tell you just three quick characteristics of an uncommon servant. The first one is this that an uncommon servant has a devotion to the interests of others. That when, when an uncommon servant lives life, he's like got his radars up looking at what's happening around him in the lives of other people and thinking how he or she can make a difference in the lives of those as opposed to living a life of looking around and thinking what can he get from those around him. This is totally, when I say uncommon servanthood, this is uncommon. It's uncommon to give yourself to the devotion of others. Second thing is this, an uncommon servant thoughtfully gives untiring care. Uh, 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 an uncommon servant doesn't begin the process and then back away from it. An uncommon servant, when they get into the process, like Spurgeon says, they're not looking for what they can only do, but they're looking to do even more in that situation. Isn't that interesting? Spurgeon says, getting the opportunity to serve, when I'm serving, I'm looking for that next opportunity to even serve more, to even serve more. The uncommon servant is taking where they're serving as a springboard to serve more. That's crazy, isn't it? But that's exciting. Third thing is this. The, uh, a characteristic of an uncommon servant is this, that they delight in the prosperity, success, and happiness of somebody besides themselves. An uncommon servant is that one out of 10 of your friends that are going to uh, be excited about the success that you're having whether it be a raise or some kind of recognition that you get. Uncommon servants are those who are there to even uplift you in the great times of your life. You know, when we look at the initiation of servant, we, servanthood, we can't go beyond John 3, 16. And I'm just going to read the first part. For God so what? <laughs> that he gave. That's right. See, the, the amazing thing about the heart of a servant is that they, like the Father, they first love, and then out of that love, they give. You can't give and then love. You have to love and then give. Because when you switch the order, you're always going to short side what the ultimate thing that you were uh, designed to do in the process. 
For God so loved that he gave. He didn't just give anything, he gave his best. And why? Because he was serving mankind. Why? Because we were separated from him and it was his heart that what? None should perish, but that all could come to that place of redemption and saving grace and finding how amazing that the kingdom of God is. Do you realize that we are in the midst of living in a kingdom of, and, and of this kingdom there shall be no end? We get to serve a God who is not only concerned about us this day, but he's concerned about us eternally. You know, Kim, when I was just thinking of what you were saying, the things that you've gone through, I know this for a fact, that you're gonna have a deeper and incredible appreciation of who God is, because it's in the midst of that that he shows himself the strongest. He knows your heart's hurting. He knows that you know, you're waking up wondering what the day's gonna hold, but he holds your day and so you're going to find him in a special way that you're going to look back over the years, over those months and say, my God served me and loved me so incredibly that it motivates me to do the same. Because our God is amazing. He's an incredible God. Judy, would you uh, put up the first uh, grouping of pictures? Matthew 20, 19 says, go and make disciples. And this was our team. These are the four guys that went with us. By the way, Joseph's not here today because he's under the weather, um, but Joseph did an incredible job on this trip. He's just a neat kid, an amazing servant. Uh, you see Tim Taylor, the missionary that we've supported for, I don't know, 30 years maybe. And uh, the interesting thing about this trip is, is that Tim was so enamored in what we're doing and how we're doing it that he has asked to be more of a part of our team. And we're working right now on him spending two to three months this summer, and this is a first for Harvest Prep, to have somebody in the field that can do that for that extended period of time. And we're working out the different things that Tim will be able to do, but we have 275 facilitators in Burundi alone, and how awesome would it be in that three months if Tim got to bring all 275 of them in different times together to encourage those facilitators? I mean, it, this is, a, uh, this is a, a situation that one who is doing this kind of work could only pray and hope to have this happen. And of course, there's Dr. Chuck, and, and uh, this was an amazing team. So uh, there's four servants of God who chose to go on this trip to do anything and everything that God has called us to do. So when Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples, one of the first things that is on my heart that I thought I would just show you is just a couple pictures from the crusade. And so the uh, crusade was amazing. Again, I don't know how many thousands of people. Can you turn the pictures, please, for me? I don't know how many thousands of people. The reason I chose this, this picture right here is because I'm in the middle in the back, and I'm uh, making the call for people to come to Christ. And this picture, look at all of those people. They're not just coming. They're running to come and find Christ. 
And there were hundreds of people. And they came in like uh, four or five different waves. It was the first wave, the second wave, the third wave. And the fourth wave, you just saw people like ants working their way through the crowd. You saw, I don't know, have you ever seen a bunch of ants? They find something on the ground and they pick it up and they're just scurrying. Well, there was just people scurrying through the crowd. And hundreds of people came to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. That's a lot of people right there, huh? That I would say. Now, several years ago, and I don't know how many years ago, it was probably sometime in the early 2000s, that God put on my heart that I would see 100,000 people uh, find Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Now, I quit counting at about 17 or 18,000, and that was before these last several trips uh, where we started doing major crusades like this. I don't know how many more thousands have come to Christ since that time when I stopped counting, but I know this, that my God's a faithful God, and I think he's going to blow away the 100,000 before it's all said and done. But what an amazing sight when you see something like this transpire. Let's see the next picture here. The next picture, I want you to see uh, Joseph. Uh, he was up before the crowds. And one of the things that I loved about Joseph is, is he got more comfortable and more comfortable and more comfortable in delivering uh, what he was uh, there to deliver. Uh, we were at a pastor's conference in northern Rwanda. And uh, he talked about, his, his theme, theme for this trip was worship. And that worship isn't what you do on Sunday morning, it's the life you live. Right. And so he gave that for 10 minutes and Pastor Nicodem, Joseph and I were going to be in his church and he said to Joseph, you have got to tell my congregation this that you're telling us now because I guarantee you they have never heard this before. Wow. And, I, and he did, he went and, and when Sunday morning we were at that church he gave that message the best he had ever given it. And the, you should have seen the people. I watched their faces. They're like, wow, wow, man, that, that's, that's amazing. And so anyway, so he got to speak at most of all the places that we uh, got to speak at. The guy to his right is somebody you guys have seen many times. That's Solomon. And when we're talking about uncommon servants. I want to tell you just one story about Solomon. You know he's the one who translated the entire Bible college into Karundi. He's the voice. You know when you uh, listen to a sports team, they'll say, the voice of the Dodgers, Ben Scully. They tell the announcer's name. Well, the voice of the Bible college is Solomon. Now, Solomon is in the Sudan serving in four Muslim uh, refugee camps. He has actually learned Farsi and he was working with an organization out of Europe and he was kind of staying in their barracks, which, uh, you know, running water and different things like that, clean bedding and those sorts of things. And he was going in and out of the camps, but he just wasn't feeling like he was connecting with the people. And so one day he woke up and in his prayer time, God told him, you have got to move out of the camp and you've got to move into a hut in the middle of the refugee camp. And so the very next day, he upped and moved in to the refugee camp. He's in a mud floor hut with no running water, uh, no electricity, everything that the, they don't have, he doesn't have. And guess what's happening? Multiple doors are being opened to him. He is, getting, he is finding favor in the Muslim leadership there, and they're allowing him to, in small pockets, tell many about Jesus Christ. 
And so that's what an uncommon servant does. An uncommon servant realizes that they can't, if they're ministering here, they can't be out here. And so they move in here. Why? And they pay a tremendous price for that. Tremendous price. Solomon has had multiple health issues over uh, the, the days that he has served the Lord. Let's see the next picture here. Uh, there's Pastor Chuck preaching. The next, I think, might be a video next. Um, uh, no, that is, uh, the video must not have made it in. Okay, that is the uh, first graduation we did in Bubanza, which is north of Bunjabora. And uh, we were there to do uh, a graduation, and there were these grade school kids. And so I just said, stop, I wanna go out and, and talk with them. So this is like 10 of the 30 that were there. So I shared the gospel with them, and they all accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And the reason I'm saying this is, is because this is really God's heart. You know, do you have to do the crusade, or can you do the one? You know, are you, are you looking for fame and fortune or are you looking for people who need to know Jesus? Three different times, three days in a row at three graduations. This was elementary school, the next one was middle school kids, and the next day was high school kids. But there were a total of close to 100 people who got saved in just those three opportunities. I have an extremely funny story to tell. We were ministering to the high school kids and the crowd was gathering, crowds was gathering, all kinds of kids. Well, the, our team's in the car next to us and Joseph brought this giant bag of Smarties. And so he thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to hand out some Smarties. Well, this was not a great opportunity to hand out some Smarties. So I'm in the middle of grinding out a great salvation message and the crowd went, boom, right to the car. Because they all wanted some Smarties, hallelujah. And so I'm looking over and I'm like, Joseph, are you serious? What are you doing? And so he's like, this was bad, Pastor. This was really bad. I know this was not a good idea. I said, no, the idea was fantastic. The timing was just a little off. So as you'll see, Joseph got to hand those Smarties out many times throughout there. But anyway, the idea is, is that we're talking about salvations. Now, in the video that I was going to play you, I think you guys saw it before anyway, so I'm not worried about it. It was what transpired after we did the altar call and uh, we were praying for people to be healed. And so God had revealed clearly to me that he wanted to heal blind eyes. And so I'm speaking to, because it's impossible to get in the throes of that crowd. I mean, they're packed in side by side to get in there. It would be like the woman with the issue of blood. So we prayed and we had some more prophetic call outs and the first group of people that came to give testimonies were six people who were, had blind eyes who had been healed. And so I'm telling you, it does, I don't know about you, I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. But you know, to see people that were blind be able to see is, it's an incredible thing. And there were hundreds of testimonies of God's healing. So uh, turn, uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, okay, this is, uh, uh, we had the opportunity to train multiple leaders this time. And in Burundi alone, through like seven or eight opportunities, we ministered to over a thousand leaders. This is uh, one of the opportunities, one of the few opportunities that all three of us were in the same place. This was a crowd of about 175 leaders 
It was an incredible day. Flip the next picture. Uh, I think it's going to just show Chuck ministering there. The next picture. Uh, okay, this is an incredible group of uncommon servants. This is our UCE team, and I just wanted you guys to all see that not only are they alive and well, but they've added a 13th person now to the team because of what they're doing. What Isaiah's team is doing is not only nation-to-nation uh, -nation schools. I mean, they have four or five major projects that they do throughout Burundi. Uh, and, and ours is the biggest of the five, but the other four are extremely important as well. So this was our opportunity to bring the team together, just to pray together, laugh together, and to honor them with a small blessing. And so at this point, I would just love to say to our uncommon givers here, you guys are amazing beyond what you will ever, you'll ever know and understand. And I pray that your 30, 60, 100-fold return is coming to you in ways that you would uh, uh, just see it tangibly. Because the, what Redeemer Church has done to make these things happen is, is unbelievable. And so we were you know, able to bring, uh, I think, 58 more projectors and hard drives in. Uh, you know, we have, if we have over 400 schools right now. And uh, I would love to give you the exact total, but Isaiah just texted me this week and said four more schools just started in Bunjabora with over 250 more students. And uh, there's three more schools that are set to start next week. These schools start so rapidly and uh, so amazingly that it's hard to put the finger on an actual total, but I can tell you it's somewhere over 400 and we've ministered to somewhere over 15,000 students at this point. And here's the reality. This thing isn't plateauing at all. Uh, we'll show you some pictures down the road here. You'll get to see another 108 facilitators just in Burundi alone that we trained. And these are the ones now we have 43 uh, units in country, 43 projectors, 43 hard drive, and uh, so somewhere between now and, and probably uh, September or October, there'll be another 43 schools that'll be starting in Burundi. Now, here's the other kicker about this. We might start, a, Tammy might start a school, she's up to semester five, and then they have a diploma graduation, and now behind them are, we graduated 28 students, and behind them is another class of 48. Not 18 or eight, it's, it's like this class sowed the seed and now it doubled. And then this class now gets their bachelor's degree, and we got diplomas, and then there's a third. There are fourth, fifth, and sixth generation schools that are, uh, are, are being started as we speak. And so that's why when I say there's 400 schools, there's probably way more than that because we're not counting the second, third, fourth, and fifth gen schools. And so it's an incredible thing to see all this transpire. And you, you only can do that because you have great relationships that you're working with. And so as we're sowing into their passion, we're, getting, uh, we're, we're seeing incredible things transpire. Let's go to the next picture here. Uh, this is where it all began. I'm not gonna tell this story. You've already heard it. This was the very first projector 
that Isaiah sold all of his clothes. To be, they, they've kept it all this time. It doesn't work, but he sold everything he owned to buy uh, this projector to show the Jesus film on. And I just said to him, Isaiah, did you ever think when you gave everything to sow that seed to get one projector, that one day there would be over 300 projectors in the field? And he just said, no, that's a, no, I never thought that would happen. But that's the first, the first fruits. Next picture here is, um, this is our facilitators conference. We bring back our facilitators to do an encouragement to them. This year we had 160 of our facilitators, 20 of our regional reps. And this is one of the most dynamic two days uh, of the trip, bar none, because of all the just testimonies and incredible things. And, you know, now it's our third time to do this. And I've, you know, did the training with these guys and started many of these schools. So, you know, now I'm personally you know, knowing and, and connected with many of them. You want to hit the next photo for me, please? Uh, this is, we're just honoring Isaiah in front of this group, telling them, you know, this is only possible because of the vision of this man. Next photo, let's see here. Uh, this is just a, a, another picture. We're getting ready to pray to end. Uh, the, I mean, look at all those people. Now, one of the things, okay, no, go ahead. Go ahead, this is perfect. Okay, now, the other thing that there's no way to keep track of anymore are the cooperatives that are being formed. There, there's hardly a school anywhere now that's not forming cooperatives. And this is not just in Burundi, this is in Rwanda as well. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So this is uh, my friend Joseph from Bubanza. He's one of the originals. He's one of our original guys. He's an amazing guy. They have eight cooperatives that they have started out of their school. This is one of them. They make all of this woodwork. They make bowls and, and containers and, and all kinds of things. This would, uh, would be, they would sell this for $25 in, in their field and they have a waiting list. They're like the Amish now, okay? Uh, there's like a several week waiting list on their, their woodworking things that they're building. And uh, they presented that to me as a thanksgiving for that, and I've got that on my office at home. But it's just amazing when you see the fruits of, of what's transpiring. And so for you know, everything that's in this, you have seeds in all of this. You have seeds in everything that's being accomplished here. Okay, let's go to the next, there's that fly. We, we talk about this fly. It, it, through the week. Okay, go ahead and hit me at the next picture here. This is our training of the new facilitators. Uh, like I said, there was over a hundred of those. Let's uh, flip there to the next picture. Okay, this is one of our graduations where uh, we had over a hundred people graduate um, in this town. I'm trying to remember where it was, but I'm drawing a blank. It was in Southern, um, oh, it was in, it was in uh, Nyanzalak, actually. How could I forget that eight and a half hour drive to Nyanzalak through the roads that were just crazy? But I got to pass by the place where we almost went over the cliff, and uh, it was interesting how, you know, just no effect from that. The last time I drove by there, there was a lot of effect through it. But guess what? I went through prayer ministry, you know, some of you always think I'm not going through prayer ministry. Everybody will think I'm nuts and everything. I don't care what anybody thinks. I needed prayer ministry to get healing from almost dying. 
And so guess what? I'm not, I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. Thanks to the prayer team. I appreciate that. So let's turn in your Bible to John chapter 12 real quick, because I want to, again, I'm trying to intertwine the idea of uncommon servanthood. Uncommon servanthood. How does, how does Jesus look at us and the idea of serving him? So in John chapter 12, let's look at verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks from among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew told Philip, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is where he uses, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Produces much grain. Now, when you look at Pastor Joseph, the guy that I just showed holding the woodworking bowl, uh, and he's one of our originals. He has five generations of schools, he has eight different cooperatives, and so far, he has uh, graduated 275 students because one person sacrificed a great deal to bring this school into to his area, and now because he died to his flesh and uh, allowed that to transpire, 275 graduates have come from this single person's effort when he chose to die to his flesh. Verse 25 says, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. But look at 26, listen, if anyone serves me, okay, this is Jesus talking, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Now listen to this. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. Wow. Jesus is saying that my father notices the servants of the kingdom. And not only does he notice the servants of the kingdom, says God honors them. You know when we talk about tithing and and the aspects of tithing, we talk about, you know, these things are what the word says. We talk about, you know, that God keeps the devourer out of your storehouse. And, you know, that God promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour out all of those blessings. These are cause and effect things. These are things that when the Bible speaks something that God says and then the action comes off of it, it's the same as this scripture. So what Jesus, has said, what Jesus says is, when you're serving me, when you serve me, he's, it says, my Father honors you. When you stand beside Jesus in the kingdom and do the things that he's calling you to do, do you understand that you've opened up a whole pathway of being acknowledged by God the Father himself? And it's not just that he says, Good job. No, what's it say? It, words are important. It says, my father will honor them. Wow. When we serve God, God honors us. Turn to now John chapter 15, because I want to look 
There must be a progression that happens when we become servants of God. I love that comment that I read from Francis Chan. And I'm hoping today that, and, and next week, that you will get yourselves into a place to where you say, God, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I step up the things that I'm doing for you? Verse 9 in John 15 says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my what? Joy may, be, may remain in you and that your joy shall be what? Full. Full. I mean, if you're looking to break that cycle of anxiety and, and tension and stress and those types of things, I'm telling you, the great, greatest stress reliever comes from serving God. And, it, you know, I've, uh, these things I have spoken to you. Jesus is saying, look, I'm telling you. I promise you that when you do these things, that my joy will remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has uh, no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Listen to verse 15. No longer do I call you servants. Mm. We went from what he says in John chapter 12. Anyone who serves me, let him follow me. Where I am there, my servant will be also. So listen to how he's transitioning words here. He's that same servant. Any, uh, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and what? No, I want to hear from all y'all. You should go and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. When we get into that place of serving God, not only does it become a pleasure, but now we walk from the place to where we initiate servants, and where my servants are, Jesus said, I'm with them. Where my servants are doing the serving, my Father honors them. And now Jesus transitions and says, that no longer do I call you servants, and this is a couple chapters later because they're developing something that's even greater than uh, the, this kind of relationship. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. Mm -hmm. So there is an, a, 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 an intensity of relational change that transpires in the idea of becoming a servant and serving God. Okay, let's go through just a couple more pictures here. And, uh, okay, this is the graduation march. We marched about a mile around the city. It was amazing. It always is. And they, I mean, police stop the traffic and, you know, they sing and it's incredible. Okay, go. Um, you know, 
I feel bad hurrying through that like it's no big deal. That is not just a big deal, it's a huge deal. I, should, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't just gloss over that. And this is our uh, Gatega graduation. And um, this is the afternoon graduation in the city. But in the morning, wow, I almost blew this. I almost forgot it. I don't have any pictures of the prison graduation because they took our phones. And so we couldn't uh, uh, do the grad. Man, I almost blew this. I, I can't even believe I haven't even. So we graduated 50 prisoners with bachelor's degrees. Now, the lady who is the one who's the director of the prison could not have said more nicer things about us. And she told all of those prisoners that I pray for you daily because I know God has a tremendous mission and blessing for you. And so she pulled us to the side, Joseph and I, and said, you know, what you guys are doing is the only hope anyone has inside this prison. And Jimmy, the guy who leads our school, he got out of prison. He served his, his time. He's been out for five months now. But you know what Jimmy does? Every day he goes back to that prison and he facilitates that school. And uh, he's also building a house. Uh, he's using the tools that he learned from the community development. He's growing and raising, and it's an incredible sight. So we graduated bachelor's degrees. So what do you think the school asked me? Yeah, how many? Yes, they did. They said, well, listen, we have 100 more people that want to sign up. They're already signed up, but they can't pay for the notes, obviously. So guess who's paying for the next 100 people's notes? Y'all are. Hallelujah. I committed you. Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you excited? But we had enough money to pay for three semesters. So we've already paid for three semesters, and the notes are coming in for this next 100 students. And if you were part of that amazing graduation, your hearts would be so full of happiness. So I'm trying to display that to you. Your heart should be extremely happy that you're a part of uh, prisoners. Now, we've got invitations to be in almost every prison in Burundi. Wow. But, you know, uh, I only need one millionaire. Anybody got a millionaire friend that they can just turn me on to? Just one. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it, I, 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 we're laughing, but it's going to happen. That's right. Come on, Adam. I mean, we're, we're laughing, but it's going to happen. And so, because we, we've got to expand probably five to ten times as big. We're, we're going to be that much bigger in the next five years. And so that's God's job to provide the money. So I'm expecting a couple millionaires to help us out. Okay, so that's the Gatega graduation, 100 people in the city. Uh, next picture, please. Uh, this is, now we're up into northern Rwanda. And uh, Rwanda, something extremely cool is happening. The students are pressing the government to recognize their degrees. And so the government gave them 12 steps of what they needed to do to begin the recognition process. Now, I've told you guys for years that they're going to shut down churches where people don't have their diplomas. That's going to happen August 5th of this year. And so we are in the process. We have provided everything they need. They have all 12 pieces 
Now, one of the guys on our leadership team in Rwanda has his doctorate's degree. He got that through a uh, correspondence school, a video school in the United States. It took him seven months to do all this same process. And he says, it's gonna happen. Just be patient, it's gonna happen. The government is gonna recognize these degrees. As soon as the government of Rwanda checks the box and starts recognizing this degrees, we'll need 50 to 75 more schools in Rwanda in the, within the next three months. They will be so flooded and inundated with people to be a part of the school. So if you pray right now, pray favor upon our Rwandan students that the government will uh, recognize their degrees. Our last graduation in Burundi, one of the senators came up to me and he said, you need to get the Department of Education stamp on these degrees. I said, you're right, here's a degree, go make that happen for me. <laughs> I said, we agree with you 2,000%. And so when, when this happens, it's going to make a demand that is gonna be well beyond what we're gonna be able to initially meet. But remember, we've already got 15,000 people going through these different things. Great, great conference up in northern uh, Rwanda next to the border of Tanzania. This is our Rwandan graduation. They are super professional. Uh, our team is incredible. Next slide. There, uh, there's, uh, I always like to show you uh, when I wear my, I cannot stand this outfit. I mean, I really, I, I, this beanie is just annoying. I'm sorry, it is, it's just not me. So, okay, but you gotta do it. Next picture. Uh, okay, these are our Rwandan uh, team leaders. This is John Paul and his wife, his daughter, his son, Joseph. And uh, Jean-Paul's son hit it off. They both, the, he's a drummer, Joseph's a bass player. Uh, this is an amazing family. And so we got to have dinner at their house. Next uh, slide. Let's see here. This is Nicodem's family. We're up in Masindi, way north. I'm telling you, we traveled so many miles on this trip. I couldn't even be, every day we were driving three to five hours somewhere, in the night or in the morning. Okay, uh, as a matter of fact, our last time we were leaving Masindi, we were, it was quarter till seven, we're packing up everything in the, in the vehicle. Joseph is laying out on the back seat, and I said, Joseph, you gotta get up, because the guys, he, he lifted his head up, he goes, Pastor, I have never been this tired in my entire life. <laughs> I said, welcome to Harvest Prep. <laughs> and he, I, I, I'm sure he was. Okay, this is our, uh, all of our Rwandan facilitators brought them together. The, the testimonies are just amazing from them, incredible people, uh, a, a super one-day meeting with them. Next uh, picture, now this is the right time to pass out your Smarties. <laughs> and so Joseph unloaded his, once some Smarties came out, kids came out of the woodwork too, so that's kind of our joke, the right time to pass out Smarties. Okay, next. Um, okay, this is uh, Jean-Paul, one of our national leaders, getting his bachelor's degree. Uh, they're all getting ready to start their master's degree programs. Next slide. And I'm trying to be conscious of time here. 
Pastor Chuck preaching at, at the uh, Leaders Conference in Northern Rwanda next. Uh, do you recognize that shirt? That's my Red Valspar shirt. He said, man, Pastor, that shirt is awesome. I've seen you wear that. So I just threw it to him and said, well, it's yours now. He goes, no, I can't take your Valspar shirt. I said, yes, you just got it. Okay, next picture. This is that conference. Um, there's uh, Tim. I'm telling you, this thing with Tim it, helping us out is huge. I mean, it's, it's not a little thing. It's a huge thing. There's Jean-Paul uh, translating for him. Next picture, let's see here. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, we had some, we had some shaky hotels uh, on this trip. And so I, uh, we had drove to, I didn't get a shower the day before. Uh, and so I thought, well, when we get into this next place, I'll get a nice shower because I was, I was ripping. I mean, it was chicken noodle under here. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so this was my, this was my shower at that hotel. And so, and what you saw was all the water that any of us had. And so after that water stopped in that thing, we had no water for like 18 hours the whole time we were there. And so there was no not splash bathing or anything. So it's like, hey, bro, scoot over a little. Yeah, here, you know, so. But anyway, that was, our, that was our shower. And so you just never know what you're gonna run into. So uh, one night I had, uh, they didn't have mosquito netting. I got bit by a mosquito. I got up and put cream on and stuff. And then my glasses fell behind the bed and I'm like, ugh. And so I lift up the mattress to, yeah, big mistake. So I lifted up the mattress to reach down and grab my glasses and El Cacarochos, lots of them. And then I went back to bed and pulled the covers over my head. <laughs> You've ever seen those YouTube videos where they pull cockroaches out of people? Yes, I know, That's, that just comes into my mind, I know. So. I literally pulled the sheet up over my ears and mountains. Hey, it's a small price to pay. I just say that because it's unusual and so, but hey, it's just the way it is. Okay, next picture. Um, we are heading to Bunjabur to fly out. The, it's torrential downpours. I mean, mud is coming off the sides of the mountains, uh, but I had no, no anxiety, none on this. So we're, come, we're about eight kilometers from the next town. We do do, we hear this, and then we just shh. Isaiah said, oh no, we got a flat tire. So I said, no worries, I got my AAA card. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but listen, listen, something better than AAA. We pull off the road, and this dude is walking this way, He's, he walks by the car, goes to the back, says to Isaiah, give me your jack. He went to the front, started doing the deal, took the thing off. He's picking this tire up with one arm and a motorbike guy and Isaiah. They're going eight kilometers. This guy knows the guy that owns the tire store. And so he takes that tire and puts a brand new tire on it. He's back in 10 minutes, has the tire off, and then, or back on, then Isaiah says, well, we have to get another new tire. You can't have, you know, offset tires in the front. So this guy's already preparing another second tire. 
We get a flat tire in the middle of nowhere. God provides somebody, and within 25 minutes, we are back on the road to Bunjabora because God just provided this guy. Now, I'm telling you, this is, this is God. When these things happen, when we could have been 40 minutes down the road in the middle of nowhere and had no opportunity, and we had no spare. So this, this, only God could do that. But it's just so cool. This, I mean, you guys, if you know a tire and a rim, that is not light. And so this guy initially is just holding it with one hand when he gets on the motorbike. But then for the picture, he held up both hands. But, I mean, only God could do such things for us. Okay, so next, next picture. I think we're about out, aren't we, Judy? We're done? Okay, good. All right. Now... If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Remember, when you look at those people that we're showing you, what we're showing you is uncommon servants. I mean, we're, showing, we're showing you people that have way a long time ago given up everything in their mind to do everything that God had in store for them. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. 19, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Come on, somebody. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is the Apostle Paul's ideology of his life. Everything that's happened to me I hold nothing back from you because my job is to see the fullness of God come to pass. Would you stand with me? You know, when we, when we think of these types of things, we read the uncommon things in the Word. We see these things through the picture, pictures that I bring back, the uncommon things of the people that we are connected with. And by the way, do you understand that? These are our friends that we're connected with. These are our things that are happening. You're a part of it. Uh, and I want, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to anyone and everyone, because there were many of you who sowed uh, financially into this trip. Second of all, I want to thank uh, Brother Dana. He does an amazing job of getting out the reports to you, and uh, I, I couldn't be more thankful. Many of those nights I'm providing the information to him as midnight, and I am just exhausted, but I know I want to send something. 
And I'm sure Dana, I mean, I, I send things to him and I know his time, it's goofy time, midnight, or I don't know if he's holding his phone and it dings, but he always answers me right back. Like, hey, I got you, man, we'll take care of this. And so can we just thank Dana for all that, that he does for us? And so it's an honor to be able to serve the Lord in this capacity. And I feel like, honestly, we serve him together. And so all of these victories and all of these great reports that you hear, they are ours to enjoy and to celebrate. So, Father, we thank you that you're an incredible God. I, I thank you, Father, that from the very beginning, when I read the idea that Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve, Something happened in my heart, and I've never been the same. Father, I pray that these scriptures that were read today, that they will sink into people's hearts. And that as they embrace them, that they will never be the same either. Father, I thank you, God, that you've equipped each person in this room with amazing gifts, amazing minds, amazing strength, amazing fortitude, now increase their faith to walk out into the place to where they would say, here am I, send me, Lord. And so, Father, as we end this time, we end this in the heart of celebration, thanking you for all of the amazing things that transpired on this last trip. So bless these folks. Bless the prisoners who I know are already in semester one. Open their eyes to see who they are in Christ and that you have great hope for them. Father, bless the ones who are uh, riding motorbikes hours off-road to, to deliver projectors and hard drives and, and notes to these people who are starting our schools. Father, bless all of the cooperatives that are uh, raising so much money and creating so many jobs for the people there in Africa. And so, Father, we just thank and praise you for this day, because it's a great day. And we just ask, Father, as we serve you, that you would show us that idea that not only are we not just servants, but that we're your friends. And it's an honor to walk in the kingdom and to serve you. And so, Father, we give you praise today. And all of God's people said... Amen. Thank Come you on, so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.